0: today, we're going to talk about Early Fathers and how the authority of the Catholic Church has its roots in a strong connection with the authority of the Apostles from the very, very beginning the of Father
1: the Church. Lord Jesus Christ will come to the world today, and He will say something that is not in the Bible, something new, He cannot say it.
2: Do you know how sad that is? Because the Apostolic Church, the Church that grew out of the Cynical, was based on the Apostles teaching from a non-existent book. Unfortunately, many Protestants accuse the Council
0: of Trent of having used the authority of the Church to impose something that was dictatorial. What happened in Trent was very beautiful. They said, when we have consensus on several fathers, what does it mean? That becomes Catholic doctrine. The
1: real free thinking is in the Catholic Church, because we are free to think according to scripture, to tradition, to magisterium, to the thought of our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and not stay stuck in just a a book.
2: Welcome to Salve Maria, the podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel.
1: So
0: welcome to this new episode of Salve Maria. And today we are going to discuss some very interesting topics, especially for us Catholics, to know where the authority in the church comes from, the interpretation of the holy scripture, because there has been a, lately a lot of debate on this. But before we start on that topic, well, we welcome Father Arthur Salve Maria, Father Salve Arthur, Maria, pleasure. Brother Justin Salve Maria,
1: Salve Maria, how are and you?
0: also all the audience that follows us in the different social media accounts, in the in, in WhatsApp, in YouTube, of course. Um, well, lately, Father. Um, Salve Maria Podcast and the Heralds of the Gospel Channel is creating a little bit of debate, no, because oh, for, <laughs> <laughs> for many Protestants that hear, no, evangelicals from all flavors, uh, all these affirmations we make about this Holy Scripture and the teachings of the church, well, they're pure inventions or they are simply not rooted in the Holy Scripture. And today we're going to talk about where the authority in the interpretation of the Bible comes from. From, and also the problem of sola scriptura, uh, a little bit of the authority in the church.
1: Of course.
0: So, but, and Father, the, the idea is also to guide our Catholics, you know, that sometimes, again, no, we forget the catechism <laughs> exists, you know, and we need, of course, right, to, to give elements for uh, the, the
1: audience to understand more our faith. So where do we start? Authority. Authority. Yeah. authority. The, maybe the word authority, you know it's um obviously it's related to the to the word author the 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 one who is the author of something is the origin of something, so it's where, where the um what where, where exists comes from so obviously the authority comes from God himself there's no doubt and God is our Lord Jesus Christ, he came to the world to bring his authority to us. And He wants to transmit this authority and give us this authority that will be with us, to guide us. This is why He said that He's going to be with us till the end of the world. How is He with us till the end of the world? Through His authority, through through the Pope, the one who represents our Lord Jesus Christ, the vigour of our Lord Jesus Christ, the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ on earth and this also brings us
0: to a topic maybe brother justin you're always talking about this now because what defines the catholic church as well and father of course you're going to explain uh it it has to do with three main elements which is the holy scripture which is the magisterium and which is the tradition and now of course the magisterium is exactly the authority the church has to teach Magister, no, the one who teaches, the, 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 uh, the one who has authority to teach. Hmm? The authority to teach. And, and, and when it comes also to the scripture and then to tradition, um, you know, we tend to, to, to think that tradition is a uh, synonym of mediocrity. Because tradition may seem to many people like, okay, this is the way we have always done something, so we're not going to innovate on anything. We just are stagnant in a mediocre position, and it's a traditional way of doing things, right? Uh, they
1: say anti-progress. It's, uh, the tradition is the one who gives you direction to progress. It's not that we are against uh, progress. Of course, well, you progress have to
2: has to begin at one point and go towards a positive end.
1: Of course, if not if it's, death.
2: If it's just growth it's cancer exactly so unfortunately <laughs> when we have heresies it is in the this mystical body of christ it's a form of cancer it is and the the various councils and the various saints and these elements these Men or women of God who come in, act as a chemo- chemotherapy for the mystical body of Christ. And they cut off and they kill these problems, these heretical elements, which are countless.
1: If I may, uh, in your example, the cancer is the thing that is growing against the author. Absolutely. Against Against well, what, it, what is cancer, cancer
2: is when it's, a cell is, yeah. is, is replicating uncontrolled and it's Precisely. destroying the host. It's destroying, in this case, the mystical body of Christ. So you have this happen, whatever heresy we want to talk about, um, and we have all these fathers of the church, apostolic fathers, who are, who are trying to clarify the early church on these problems of these heretics, these people who are no longer teaching good doctrine. They're not... Continuing the tradition of the apostles, to continuing the traditions and the ways that Jesus had taught Peter and the apostles. Beautiful. And this is really important.
1: It's the continuation of the thought of our Lord Jesus Christ through the ones who are being sent, the ones who have authority but to continue his thinking.
2: One thing also that's really important when we look at that element is to remember that these people weren't some random people. What's well, like, I don't know, someone decided to stand up one day and say, hey, hey, I've got something to say. You sit down. I'm going to talk I am. I'm special. No. These were people who were disciples, who were exactly. close followers, firstly, of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the apostles. They have a direct connection. You see that in the Didache. You see that in all of those early writings. So the idea that somehow they had gone off or they're inventing That's insane.
0: Well, here we have, for instance, a a word that that is very well explained in Greek, because Greek symboline Mm -hmm. means to bring together, Together. to unite. And that's a tremendous power of tradition, because tradition unifies everything that the early church with all the information and and, and the formation given by our Lord Jesus Christ, passed to the apostles and from the apostles to their successors, right? That those constitute all the symbols that form our faith, which connect very well with tradition. Symboline is the Greek word for that. And you know what's the opposite of symboline is diaboline, (laughs) which has, you know, is the separation is division and No, Diabolic comes from there, from the division, from the divisive and separation
1: of the foundations of the church. Going back to the heresy, the heresy is a division of the tradition. It's a separation. It's something that goes against the, the tradition.
2: One thing that is interesting from the very early apostolic fathers is the tenderness in which these fathers spoke about Peter. Right. It wasn't something which was random, or it was he's just one of the many people. Peter was just one of the gang who's there. They're very clear that Peter was chosen by Christ. He has the keys, he has the authority.
1: Beautiful. Right.
2: Later on you'll get Augustine who says, Rome has spoken, case is closed. Right? And this element existed throughout the early church. Uh we have the Tome of of Leo, during the councils, in which they that they stood up and said Peter spoken, and that was it. That was the end of the council. It was yeah, done. Different. So the idea that we can individually discern God's God's knowledge in this sense, and even in the broadest sense, is not only a form of pride which is out of control but it's a form of insanity and this
0: and this is the explosion the division that martin luther brought and he attacked specifically the authority of the church, of course. And he attacked specifically the magisterium concerning the scripture. No, so he calls. But can it, you
2: define magisterium?
0: Yes. What happens is this: I mean, the sola scriptura that the that the the Protestants and the evangelicals in the many flavors are there. No, they basically say, okay, uh, we are not going to base ourselves on anything that is not written ipsis literis, in the.
1: Do you know why? Because if all Jesus Christ will come to the world today, and he will say something that is not in the Bible, something new, he cannot say it, because it's not in in scripture. scripture.
2: But, you know, <laughs> how, but you know how sad that is, because the Apostolic Church, the church that grew out of the Cynical, was based on the Apostles teaching from a non-existent book. They would have to wait two hundred years yeah. to learn to learn what Jesus Christ was all about because the Bible didn't exist. Of course, so there was nothing to teach. So that two hundred years was blank. I guess they would just walk in and say, "Hi, do you know Jesus?" Because they had nothing to teach. You can only be you can only teach based on the Bible. What did they teach? They taught what the apostles talked about, and those are not in the Bible. Of course
1: not. Interesting. interesting because written things. They didn't exist from the beginning. Huh? Still, the people could think and follow God and understand God perfectly, even without anything written. Huh? So and this
0: is what brings us maybe to the Apostolic Fathers, Father, <laughs> because here we go. The Apostolic Fathers, what happens uh, for, for most of us that maybe do not know the dates in all of this, this is very important because in all the masses we hear, right? Mm. Uh, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Clement. And, and 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 all this list of phenomenal saints. But who were they? Linus and Clement were contemporaries of St. Peter. And they were what later on came to be called uh, bishops, auxiliary bishops in Rome. Linus and Cletus were in, in, they were in charge of, according to the specialists, of course, because you know, we are talking about basically the year no 70, 80, 90. No, they were uh, bishops that were in charge of the liturgy. And there comes uh, the famous Clement, who later on was the third Pope, uh, attributed the third Pope, and Clement is also a contemporary of St. Peter and St. Paul, and he Mm -hmm. takes care of the administration at that time. But he writes the earliest, probably one of the earliest writings that exist in the church, which is the first letter of Clement to the Corinthians. Mm-hmm. And this was phenomenal. Why? Because it was a huge issue. Um, the Corinthians They're
2: Corinthians. <laughs> they always have issues. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Corinthians were Greek. They were very proud. Yes. Very smart, though, but very proud. And very well-educated. Very well-educated. And so they decided, especially the younger ones in the church at that time, they decided to depose the bishops that had been named by the successors of the apostles. And that provokes the letter of
1: St. They, they have Saint Clement. Saint Clement. They have. A, they had a problem with the authority, <laughs> the <laughs> Corinthians. But it's beautiful because after the letter
0: of Saint Clement, they accepted. They accepted it. They incorporated it to the canon of their liturgy, and changed. They changed mind. But what's really sure. beautiful I is that they were honest. Huh? Very, very honest, and also humble to take the correction. But what's really beautiful is that what they did was to change our ways. And here they gave the opportunity to Pope Clement I, or no, the first apostolic father as considered as such, to give a word back from basically the earliest connection possible between St. Peter, St. Paul, and no, Clement, St. Clement, to give the possibility to clarify from the early, the beginning,
2: what means authority in the church. Beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. what's also interesting is that the, the church, Vox populi, Vox Dei, they equated the letter of Clement, mm-hmm. who was not an apostle, mm-hmm. to that of Paul. Oh. It was given equal authority. Authority again. So, and he outlines points
1: of discipline which are new. they new. There were new issues. Because new he issues. was in the tradition of St. Paul. He was well, following the thinking of St. Well, Paul. That's you know? what,
2: that, that was what the council said with the, the tome of, of Leo. The voice of Peter, this was not Peter, this was Leo. This is uh, 300, more or less 300 uh, AD. This is 300 years later. So they recognized the voice of Peter that he was guiding the church at a very difficult moment. So the idea that there was no authority within the church, I don't know, the church was chaos. It was just sort of 300 years of mayhem. I think another problem that people have is they forget how long 300 years is. Exactly. Because they go, oh yeah, between 100 and 300, everything just sort of worked itself out. 300 years? Just working itself out? <laughs> that's, wow, that's, you have a lot of trusted yeah. people. And
0: Brother Justin, since we are in dates, I think it's good to to, to date all of this mm-hmm. for, for our audience, because the apostolic fathers are St. Clement, no? then you also have St. Irenaeus of Lyon, mm-hmm. and then we also have St. Saint Ignatius of Antioch.
2: Oh, yeah, and Irenaeus is fascinating. Fascinating. But, fascinating. but who
0: Irenaeus is, mm. he's a disciple of Saint Polycarp, and Saint mm. Polycarp was converted by Saint John. Saint John yeah. So, you know, our separated brothers, I'm sorry, but if we, you know... What was also, if, but again, it's, it's also interesting... going to interesting. attack these bases? <laughs> no,
2: you know, you've attacked the base. You've, you, you've attacked everything. But what's fascinating about Irenaeus is that his work was so amazing. It's the it's the, in defense of, against the heresies agnosticism oh, yes. and docetism yeah. and, and all that was coming around. But it was such an amazing work that everyone copied it. The real, it was expensive. It didn't have photocopiers. And all the churches had copies and they were spreading it and they were passing it along and, and recopying it. So the idea that there was no uh, sense of unity or or, in a very difficult world with persecution they were able to have that unity of doctrine beautiful and when someone was off they were gone they were excommunicated. they were sent out
0: let's go to a short pause and then we come back in a few minutes we're going to talk a little bit more about who were these uh, apostolic fathers and how right we can challenge uh, our separated brothers to say why don't we go towards the early fathers and debate a little bit longer Let's, let's come back in a moment.
3: Salve Maria. I'm Father Ryan Murphy of the Heralds of the Gospel, and I'm delighted to extend an invitation to each and every one of you. In the midst of our busy lives, it's crucial to take a moment of reflection, of solace, and of prayer. That's why I would like to personally invite you to join us every day at 3 p.m. for a special and powerful devotion the Divine Mercy Chaplet. The Divine Mercy Chaplet is a beautiful prayer that embodies the boundless compassion of our Lord. It's a time to come together as a community, regardless of where we are, and lift up our intentions, our hopes, and even our burdens to the heart of Jesus. Imagine all around the world, countless voices, uniting in prayer at this very hour. It's a moment of connection, of spiritual unity, and of seeking God's mercy in a troubled world. So mark your calendars, set your alarms, and make a commitment to join us each day at 3 p.m. Tune in and experience the transformative power of the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Let this be a sanctuary of peace amidst the noise of life. Thank you for being a part of our Harold's Canada YouTube channel. Together, let's embark on this journey of faith, hope, and mercy. I'm looking forward to praying with you every day at 3 p.m. May God's love and mercy shine upon you always. And until we meet again, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: So welcome back to this uh, consideration about the early fathers and how the authority of the Catholic Church has its roots in a strong connection with the authority of the Apostles from the very, very beginning of the Church. But uh, there is a a challenge to go and look into the apostolic fathers, into the early fathers of the Church, to find why the Church teaches the way it teaches with authority, especially when it comes to uh, interpretation of the Holy uh, scriptures. So here we go. Um, where do we start here? Because of course, let's make a little bit maybe history. Father uh, Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. He basically def- attacks the authority of the church, and he also attacks the interpretation of the Bible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he comes with this notion, which is sola scriptura. Now, in the very beginning, we were talking about this in the sense of tradition. The tradition doesn't mean mediocrity. But actually, tradition means what defines our identity as Catholic Church. No? Uh, and of course, if we're going to say sola scriptura, no, whatever is not only is not written in the in the Bible, we cannot follow. Right. But yet the the tradition is very important
1: because tradition is going to tell us who we are and why mm? of course. The, the, the oral. Uh, scriptura the the, uh, the oral uh, word of God. Let's say uh, it, it's uh, it it was um, previous to the written one. The written one came later. Hmm? So uh, and it's the written one is just a part of one part of the oral um, uh, word of God hmm? teaching. No teaching.
2: Another thing that's also interesting is that the Catholic Church, it was the com- the completion of the Jewish covenants. And what's interesting is that in the Jewish customs, the idea of magisterium existed, it was very clear. We see that with our Lord speaking with the rabbis and Mm -hmm. everything, the magisterial element was very clear. So the fact that the Catholic Church also has it just means that we're a continuation. Exactly. Right? The natural continuation. Mm -hmm. Now, when you deny this, you're breaking. And whenever there's a break... You know, there's a problem. Harsh breaks always a problem. So, if that's what your thing is—that you think that you fifteen, seventeen, uh, October thirty-first, nailing your theses on Wittenberg Cathedral—that the Christian Church began at that moment, and everyone else before <laughs> that are all condemned to hell—go ahead. That's your. Uh, that's your. That's your thing.
0: <laughs> and tradition is what safe safeguards us. Eh, from not implementing things that are completely horrendous.
2: You know, one of them that was, it, w- it was a big crisis within the Eastern Church, not so much in the West, but in the Eastern was a big crisis, which mm-hmm. was the iconoclastic crisis mm-hmm. around the... i yeah. are so talking about the councils, later councils of Constantinople, uh, 700, 600. Uh, and, I, and what's funny is that these people ended up being kicked out of the church, kicked out of the empire, ended up in Arabia, and then their ideas popped up in Islam. So um, Mm -hmm. when the uh, evangelicals rail against images, they're echoing a problem that was solved by council in the 700s Mm -hmm. with the image breakers. So they like to go back and quote uh, Deuteronomy. The reality is, is that the church already solved that problem. They're rehashing a problem which was already solved. And that's what the big problem is with, the, with these individuals, is that because they don't have tradition, they keep repeating their same errors. It's like a young person who is lacking wisdom and is silly and is repeating the same errors. Granted, you know, a, young, a youngster makes errors, makes mistakes, but they learn from their mistakes. This is like a 50-year-old still making the same errors 50 years in and this is their problem they're continuing making these problems make these errors
1: precisely when you break from the authority actually you, you're not destroying the authority you, you're killing yourself you know <laughs> when you pretend to um to to take away the head of the church you know if it happens you will kill the church But it doesn't happen, it's impossible. Hmm? What what you kill is yourself.
2: Well, what's interesting, and this is historic, if we look at Luther, Luther pushes forward his revolution, his his, um, basically a form of orthodoxization of the Western church, where we end up having the head of the the state as the head of the church. Mm -hmm. And then some people go too far. We have the Anabaptist rebellion, in which Luther then gathers anyone who's willing to to go crush them because they're too far. They actually list they listen to his ideas and they just okay, we'll we'll go to the next logical step. And they were crushed mercilessly. Mm
0: -hmm. And if we are going to go against this topic of sola scriptura, we can completely go to the time of St. Clement, who is as we said in the very beginning, is one of the apostolic fathers. He's the one that is so connected with Saint Peter and Saint Paul because he was contemporary of them. And one of the things that that Saint Clement opposes is exactly sola scriptura because he says unless we rely on tradition and unless we rely on the authority left by the apostles to their successors. Otherwise, what is going to happen when, uh, well, then, you know, we have uh, the, the complete destruction of authority as a guidance yeah. And and the problem of tradition, for instance. L- let's imagine, I don't know, Father, what, what do you think about you know, sacraments, for instance? If we were not going to follow the tradition, um, why, I don't know. Instead of uh, using wine, why don't we, why don't we use uh, juice? Grape, grape juice,
2: like the Baptists no, do. No,
0: but because exactly they deny tradition, and therefore anything goes. Orange juice, milk, w- why not? Why not? Or Makes bread, well, whether we choose uh, Oreo cookies, you know, to, sure. to consecrate. Well, I if mean, you
2: feel like if, it, there are certain Protestant nominations that basically do that.
0: And he, he, one of the things that St. Clement defends, and I think we, we invite everybody yeah, to read the first letter of St. Clement. is available all over the oh, internet, yes. you know, if we want. But l- let me read something here, because um, he also defends the centralization of the governance of the church. Uh, And then he says, no, the church needs clear lines of authority which contrasts with the Protestant mania no, of saying, okay, everybody is a priest in the end, eh? and every church has its own authority.
2: That's also brought up um, very much to the, in the Council of Trent, in which they were, they said every rock is another pope. Hmm. So it wasn't, everyone's a pope, everyone's infallible.
0: But this is tremendous to it because uh, Martin Luther was not that he was completely ignorant of this. In reality, historians tell us that he went to the Fathers of the Church to try to find proofs to attack the Pope. Mm-hmm. And when he realized that everything there that the, the Fathers of the Church taught was actually doctrine of the Catholic Church, what did he do? He shelved all the Fathers of the Church into
2: ignorance. And then he misinterpreted purposely. Um, the works of St. Augustine twisted into a ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what happens with people who study Augustine afterwards, is that they encounter what he meant in context. And like, that's not what I learned. Absolutely. Well, Luther also excluded whole sections out of the Bible because they didn't match his uh, worldview or his theological outlook. So...
0: So... I I don't know, Father, but the Catholic Church is not inventing anything. It's rather very well rooted in the in the
1: in the teachings of the apostles. It's fantastic, yeah, it's absolutely. It's a it's it a foundation no, of the um, of of our faith has to have a foundation. The foundation is one. That's why the the authority is one. That's why the truth is one. That's what the tradition is one. No, there is a unity and that gives the direction to the developing of the Christian thought.
2: It's funny, Luther uh, removed uh, several books out of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah. Um, Seven. Yeah. And, and one of them is Maccabees, mm-hmm. which is one of the more beautiful books in the Old Testament. Uh, and what's funny about it is that if you're wondering if it's true or not, if it, as he likes to say, it's fiction. but. In Maccabees, we have the root of the Jewish festival of Hanukkah, right? They celebrate the eight days of the oil not burning in the temple when when Judas comes back. and So we have a problem, which is that they're an independent group. They still celebrate Hanukkah. So if it was false, or if it was a Catholic invention, yeah. or whatever you want to say, then why are they participating in this hoax?
0: And he has also a problem with uh, the, the letter of, this, of Saint James. The oh Apostle. yes,
2: he called it the letter of straw
0: because he denies faith and works, and well, also I mean, denies
2: he, lying and uh, gossiping and lots of other sins too. So, that's wonderful.
0: So, I don't know, I think we could wrap up and then basically, you know, explain to, you to, to, uh, no invite no, our audience to, to follow into these topics, which are really, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, no, be assured that whatever is being taught by the Catholic Church has the most, the strongest foundations when it comes to scriptural and also to the aut- authority of the early apostles. Uh? The apostles themselves.
2: One thing that's fascinating in the early church is that how incredibly Catholic it is. And you see that in Justin Martyr. He does he he describes the mass in his dialogues. And you sit there reading it and you're like, wait a minute. He even has, after the, the exegesis by the priest on a point of doctrine, there's the collection. It's even in the same place as it is presently in the Catholic Mass. So to say that we have separated or invented, or well, unless the early church invented, the apostles invented, and at that point, I'm not sure where we're going. We'd
0: like to finish, maybe, Father, and you can explain Trent. us a little bit, the Council of Trent, because there was a problem with Protestantism, and then the church calls all the all the main uh, main representatives at that time, no? And in the Council of Trent is where, of course, it was... A condemnation of the pseudo-reform of that was happening, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Ah, and at the same time, was an affirmation of
1: the of the authority of the church. Precisely the um, uh, sometimes you know when someone comes with a wrong idea or some comes with a, a heresy, we think that this will go to damage the church. No the church will grow, explaining why this idea is wrong. Beautiful. And, and the beauty of the church will be even more clear to the, to the, to, uh, to the faithful, uh, by contrast with this wrong idea that has appeared, and we have to, uh, to, to explain why it is wrong. So it helps to the church to explain who she is. And the it's church is growing her It builds the immune, immune
2: system. Right? The yeah. antibodies are analogy, yeah? it yeah. builds up, it's, and one of the great things that came out of the uh, Council of Trent was the seminary system, because yeah. they didn't have that before. Precisely. And that becomes incredibly uh, interesting to some of the orthodox movements mm-hmm. who end up coming towards the Catholic Church, this is around the, uh, the Union of Brest, so there were satanians and the armenians yeah. and many of the others. they came to this if we can have access to the seminaries so that our clergy can become good and solid not mm-hmm. only in the academics but also in the spiritual life and that was that was the selling point
0: exactly. you know here in some notes i have here what exactly the council of trent established against the protestant reformation mm-hmm. they said okay the authority of the scripture and tradition as is taught Mm-hmm. Then also the authority of the sacraments yes. were the sacraments in the Catholic Church They denied all of them. They it? denied all the Protestants mm-hmm. did the Eucharist and the real presence mm-hmm. was also affirmed in the Council of Trent the role of the church and the apostolic succession was that. But uh, unfortunately, many Protestants accuse the Council of Trent of having just used the the authority of the church to impose something that was dictatorial, no? So let's say, oh, we say this, that, that, otherwise anathema, no? Otherwise it's a condemnation. And that is a complete wrong visualization, no? Because what happened in Trent was very beautiful. They said, whenever we find consensus between two three, four, fathers of the church, which are many, many mm-hmm. fathers of the mm-hmm. church. The Council of Trent says, Well, when we have consensus on several fathers, what does it mean that becomes Catholic doctrine. And it was really beautiful, because yeah. it wasn't imposed by you no know, but a dictatorial uh, setting of cardinals and bishops, but rather was the the, the explanation of where this comes and how is it rooted in the Holy Scripture?
1: So in a certain sense, we could somehow, you know, um, uh, uh, prove that actually the real free thinking is in the Catholic Church because we are free to think according to Scripture, to tradition, to magisterium, to the thought of our Lord Jesus Christ himself and not stay, you know, uh, uh, stuck in just a book
2: you know um you know when you're climbing a lot of stairs steep stairs you have a handrail hopefully on both sides a banister now the fact that you have a banister infringes on your total liberty Mm -hmm. because now you can't fall off and kill yourself but it assists you in achieving your goal exactly now this banister these, this rule, this religio, is what the church gives us. He gives us a handrail to guide us to where? To heaven. That's what our goal is. The goal so, is so. heaven. That's now, so. if you want libertarianism in a sense, that's total freedom, no handrails, then you fall at your own peril. Of course. But it's not the secure way. So the, first,
1: the first temptation will, will, will take you away and, and you will fault you, your doom and the Luther style let's cut all the books out you know let's
0: throw them in the fire and let's call them straw philosophies and there we go no, With,
2: what, another point which is fascinating we could go on for hours this is fascinating but one of the things that he did do was that he abolished a point of no. Of law. Well, he abolished uh, the uh, scholastic theology of of Aquinas. Exactly. And
1: he burned Scriptura, no? He, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he burned well, scriptura, but what was fascinating
2: so. was that within, within 20 years, you have one of his followers, Thomas Bessa, Theodore Bessa who desperately is trying to reestablish classicism because there are no rules, Mm -hmm. and their theology is like butter under heat. It's just falling into pieces, and it absolutely makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And it's the internal elements are just breaking apart, and they have to systematize the theology. He does that, um, Theodore Bessa does that, and so does uh, Peter Ramos. And they're desperately trying to do what? To bring back that aspect of Catholicism.
0: So okay. let's, uh, let's wrap, Father, what do you think of the, the program today? <laughs> it's impossible but
1: impossible to finish. <laughs> within a
0: framework, though, of respectful debate, we would like to challenge eh, our... our brothers separated brothers and protestant denominations of all kinds of of flavors because you know one has to has to be very precise when it comes to you know to to talk about protestantism right. because not everybody is the same but we challenge them you know to to go and look into the early fathers and to see if there is, there are any reasons to continue calling the church you no know, uh, that uh, calling the church names because, apparently, we are just interpreting uh, the Holy Scripture in an arbitrary manner. So we challenge everybody to look into the early fathers of the church and see what happens. What do you think, Father? Wonderful, wonderful. And we pray for we, them we as well. Pray for them.
1: <laughs> In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou amongst woman, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, sinners now and, and at the hour, hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it, As it was, was in, in the, the beginning, is yes, now, and, and ever shall be, world without, without end. end. Amen. Amen. And for all of you, the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come upon you, and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen.